0: Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Get the live stream link whilst we go online. Um, no one is here just yet, but people will file in at some point. Uh huh. All right, all right, all right, all right. How are we? There are people filing in very slowly. Um, it is Wednesday, the 17th of February, 2021.
1: And uh, that's all the content I have planned for tonight.
0: Um, I'm just kidding. It's a big day over here. At uh, it's a big day over here at Scouting
1: Enterprises. Um, the rankings for the midseason list came out today. Uh, <laughs> I'd be I'd be lying if uh, if I didn't uh, say that things maybe has uh, have changed a little bit <laughs> since I put them out, just a little, uh, but not not a ton. Uh, nothing 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 too nutty. Uh, but that that list is generally a good gauge of how i feel things are going this year in the draft so if you haven't uh check it out we can go over them if you want uh i will paste them in the uh chat here sign in to chat really i gotta all right i'm just gonna do this and put it in here because my obs is requiring me to sign in which i don't really feel like doing uh i'll post there it is so the rankings are up Um, it's been a busy week, a couple of things on the back burner that are slowly on the way. Uh, the new podcast, I took another step towards launching that today. Uh, that's been a bit slow, but hopefully we'll get her done really shortly and get that up and running. Um, other than that, um, the Niels Hooglander video is in production. I just need to add the effects and then we're good. Uh the Tim Stuthele video will be filmed this weekend, hopefully done by the end of the weekend. Uh so you'll if patrons are if you're a patron, you'll get two videos in the next week. Um but uh, before too long the scouting reports are coming. So the first few names that'll probably get profiled
0: are slowly coming into view. So that's kind of exciting. Um been a busy week as I said. Uh and yeah, I'm trying to cut down on the preamble
1: getting into these as well, because I'm noticing that I'm running later and later and later. So let's just jump right into the questions, because honestly, this week has mostly been tracking and finishing up the rankings, making sure I don't make myself, uh, kick myself in the butt five minutes after I put them out. Um, so, first question of the night. Looks like I got a haircut. I did. Uh, I did get a haircut. Uh, my producer, my lovely assistant did it for me, for me uh she does a pretty good job i think considering it doesn't cost me any dollars outside of buying the razor on amazon
0: um but yeah it is it is a new it is a new haircut so too bad if you don't like it i'm just kidding um yes uh good timing leafs won yeah
1: they would they just won two one i didn't see the third period unfortunately i was prepping for this but uh that was a bit of a snooze fest for the first two periods, so we'll see. Uh we'll see what uh we'll see what people think about the third period of that game, because you know, the Leafs barely managed to squeeze that one out. Um Stofferson, my boy Brent Johnson finally getting the respect he deserves. He's at about 60 for the lifts I've seen linked on Elite Prospects. Yeah. Uh I uh Yeah, Stofferson's the guy who brought up Brent Johnson. Usually when people bring up names like they're they're fine but not like how have i not noticed this person yet but brent johnson is definitely uh one of the rare cases of 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 that um he where did he end up on this list this 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 list already uh let me let me
0: double check here uh let me put this in a different oh my goodness oh my goodness um let me make this look better there we go that's better okay Uh, yeah, so I think I
1: had Brent Johnson at, yeah, I had him at 38. I, I, I think that's perfectly reasonable. I think if you can get him in the third round or something, which might be possible at this rate, then great. But his last few games have been, like, ever since the new year, I think he's almost near a point per game. Um, so things are kind of regressing positively for him, and I've noticed, like, in every game I've seen him, he's getting better and better and better. Um... So I I need to I think I'll do another game on him this week. I think it's pretty fair to say that I'm going to be doing a a video on him unless the rest of his games are real butt and he just had a few games that were really really good, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. Um so yeah, seeing him get the respect he deserves for sure. Uh I mean, I I have him at 38, but I mean, looking at the names ahead of him. Uh let me just pull up my rankings here cuz it shows up better on video. Um yeah, if I have him at a 38, I mean, would I take him over Pastajov potentially? Tihachev, potentially, especially after seeing Tihachev again this week a couple of times. Uh, Korzak, wild card, Tuomala. I could, I could, I probably wouldn't, but I could. You know, like he might squeak his way. I mean, he's in the tier that could bleed its way into the first round. So this one. So he's been really impressive for sure. Uh, hey, Will, did you see Nikita Guslistov this week? Yeah, I did. He's actually, he made it on the watch list. Um, he's down here somewhere. Uh, Gustlasov, Uh, there he is. Um, I mean, I think he leans pretty heavily offensively. Like, he shows well in the fun parts of the game. Um, you know, he's a bit soft on his feet. Doesn't, you know, he has very much more of an offensive work rate after what I've seen of him from last week or la- over the last week uh but definitely has KHL pace with the puck on his stick works hard um and produces and I think that you know it's worth keeping an eye on him um I saw him in the MHL a little bit as well just for good measure and he looks pretty good there as well but for him to look how he did at the KHL level and what I saw this week I mean I, I felt that it was you know considering the other Russians who have ended up on this list that are over that are undrafted so guys like I Uh, who else? Kazhevnikov, Suchkov, Bashkirov. I mean, how far back is Guslistov really from those guys? Probably not a whole lot. Um, would I pick him? I don't know. I, I probably need to see more, but, 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 you know, could I, could I do it? at the end of the draft maybe i mean again it depends on who's available but there's a lot of guys who are a year younger who i found quite interesting that might be available like at the end of the day at the end of the day you got to pick a name and this year for me like on the list unless the toronto maple leafs land themselves another seventh round pick somehow um it's going to be a pretty limited group that i add i think it's only five so if you want we can go through the watch list that i've put together for guys but uh yeah um might not get a chance at a guy like a Guslasov who's sort of a long-term sort of flyer. Uh who has risen the most in your rankings between your early release and now? Uh let's check. So let's let's see. Uh da, 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 da. Yeah, so here's the preliminary list. Um so Dylan Gunther is out of the top 10. Uh Matthew B니어's going from 9 to 1 is pretty huge. Uh Owen Power fell has fallen quite a bit. I mean uh, he still scares me. I saw him a couple of more times this week, uh tracking Veneers. Still spooks me. Uh he's gotten better, but spooky. Um who else? I mean Eklund is up a lot higher. Uh he's slowed down a little bit in terms of his production so far, but but he's 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 still doing just fine. Um I bumped Ken Johnson up to the top tier or from second tier to first tier, uh, Aiden Hrashchuk has completely fallen off the planet. I mean, the more I watch him, the less I don't really see much. If he's got the puck on his stick and it's in the offensive zone, he can do stuff that, that's really impressive and send nice hard passes, but um, just really inactive. And I don't really know. Like, he, I don't really know what it is that he does extremely well that I've seen with my eyeballs that, that shows in the data. Like, everything is just kind of okay. Um... And I don't really think that's about what you get in the first round. Cole Huckins, I had a bad viewing of him, uh, but some of his data does still show very favorably. Um, and I do like that he's got size and skill and got, and can skate. And I do like him more than Riley Kidney, but he's back in the second round for me now. Um, other guys, I think, have just impressed me a little more. Jeremy Wilmer. Uh, Jeremy Wilmer's all potential, but it's really, really tough because he's like there's a he's all potential but it's not there yet. He's got he's got incredible skill, uh incredible finishing ability, great dual threat offense talent. Uh but he's he's really small and you can tell and that's 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 where you kind of start to lose me, where you're a small player and you play like you're small. I think there are such a thing as like Marcus Almquist is an example of a small player who plays with range and speed and skill that can get away sort of under like undo a lot of the negatives that being so small can do. Whereas Jeremy Wilmer isn't there yet, but, but could be, but I think if Jeremy Wilmer hits his stride, I, I think there's more to like than, than with Almquist, but, but he's, he was in my first round. He's now further back into my second. Um, who else? Uh, I have bumped Edmondson, Edmondson up quite a bit, but you know, wild card uh, like many others. Um, Liam Dower Nilsson I liked the first time I saw him early in the year but I, I don't know I mean he's the type of player who at the junior level I thought he looked okay and then when he went to the third division I thought this should be a good fit for him to 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 get some to do some damage and I, I tracked a game of his in that league and he just wasn't really cooking a whole lot so he again other guys have just bumped him down the list same goes for Gabrielson but but I think Gabrielson's looked pretty good at the under, at the, the third division level not spectacular, but, um, solid overall. But again, like that's not something super interesting that high in the draft, even at 44. Um, outside of that, I mean, Isaac Rosen has jumped up quite a bit, but that's because he's, he's, uh, awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it though, though, is relatively the same. Um, Baneers has gone down quite a bit, but yeah, like Hresschuk is the big one that's dropped. lambo's another one the more i watched him you know like i think lambo's is going to be a player but not not an extremely high-end one like i think people might be advertising um doo-doo-doo. cool that on romanov thank you uh yeah i mean he looked really good in the games i watched um i'm curious to see what the thoughts are on the hoglander one i mean it wasn't I'll i'll spoil it a little it wasn't overwhelmingly negative at all uh, no, just the same as the Romanov one was. Um, we'll see about the Stutzla one. Uh, I haven't put together my notes on that yet, but, uh, he's an interesting one for sure this season, but, uh, yeah, looking forward to the Hoaglander one. Hopefully that'll be done, uh, tomorrow at the very latest Friday. Hello, Will. Hi, Dylan. What's up? What do you think about Vili Koivinen? Well, let me pull up the data I've got on him first. Vili Koivinen. So he's a weird... Data case. I mean a lot of it is really good, like driving solid transition data, really solid defensive transition data. You know, he knows where to be, he knows how to keep it simple and and break up play, takes good care of the puck with tons and tons of passing potential. Um, it's just not very often in the offensive zone. Like he's just a really good flow player, like getting up the ice and preventing entries into his own zone. Like which I think is perfectly reasonable. You need wingers that can play up and down like that. Um, his shooting instincts, I mean, he gets to medium danger a lot, gets to high danger pretty often. You know, all of this is relatively promising. I mean, it's not anything overwhelming. Um, but I think he has the potential to do better in these areas in terms of getting to the front of the net, moving pucks to the front of the net. Um, I think he outweighs, he outweights opponents a little bit too much much, and can sort of lose track of, of the play he's trying to put together so kind of simplifying things and just focusing on on what generates offense rather than you know sticking to the perimeter and 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 cycling pucks back to defensemen when you lose your lose sight of your of your dangerous options like i've noticed he does that a lot um but i mean with regards to him and Tuomala, like Tuomala's a better skater but i mean i find Koivinen just a more efficient player like we can compare the two uh, and granted, one game I tracked of Tuomola was in the Liga, but it wasn't overwhelmingly negative. It was a pretty decent game out of him, but just comparing these two, I mean, there's a lot of metrics where Koivinen has an advantage. Possession, both at both ends of the ice are, are better shot metrics, more passes, completing more of them. is doing more dangerous stuff with the puck in terms of passing, but Koivinen is doing more with his shot. Um, transition data is almost exclusively dominated by by Koivinen, so you know, like with Tuomala, you're kind of betting on long-term projection and, and working on his speed, uh, or working on, on sort of rounding out his game around his skating and his skill. Uh, but you know, with Koivinen, I mean, he's got efficiency and, and just intelligence that, that I think will help him quite a bit, especially if his instincts take another step, uh, offensively in, in the next little while, which, which is entirely possible. Uh, hey Will. Interested in what you think about a few prospects: Valtteri, Carnaranta, Topias Vilén, and Tyson Hines. So I haven't seen Tyson Hines. Uh, I don't think. I th- actually, I think, I think I brought him up because he looked pretty good in pick two twenty four data. Uh, I didn't really see anything that kind of blew my mind there. Uh, I want to see a bigger sample of data there. Um, Carnaranta and Vilén, um, you know, Car- Carnaranta and Vilén, I, I think look both look really good. I mean, I like. I mean, I have Karnaranta ranked, it's just he's very low. He's mobile, but again, he's he's a bit of a floater. Um, he's scoring a lot. He's driving a lot of really good data. He's a bit older for the draft class, but I, I see it as, you know, I need to circle back and watch him again, but from what I remember seeing of him, there's a lot of skill and a lot of sort of fun factor. He can move around the ice well. Uh, he doesn't really fight through pressure a whole lot, at least not super effectively. Um, let me just pull them up here. I think this is two games, which is not a ton, but, but definitely, um, you know, there, there's definitely trends. He's getting his shots and, and driving pass attempts to dangerous areas pretty well, but not a ton of pass. Like, the thing about Carnaranta, it seems, is that unless it's generating offense, he's not super active in play. So when I see a guy who has 10 dangerous pass attempts per 60 minutes, you know, and, and, um, you know, only 64 pass attempts per 60 minutes, that's not super high, but that's a lot of dangerous passes per total pass attempt. And then plus the shooting instincts offensively, like he's got good offensive tools and he can skate. Um, his defensive transition numbers are mediocre. I would say, especially, and for a small player at the junior, at the finished junior level. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's much of a chance that this gets much better as he gets to tougher and tougher levels, but he can skate. So closing those gaps might be easier his offensive transition game is 50 50, but like, we just looked at, um, oops, we just looked at, uh, Billy Coivin here, who is much, who is well beyond that, you know? So if you could hybridize Vili Koivinen and Valtteri Carnarante, you might have a really, really good player here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I see him as a very heavily offensive leaning player and, and, uh, that's fine. Um, but I'm looking for sort of an all around statistical profile worth betting on. Vilen, I only have tracked two games of his and they were from early in the year and he was barely playing, but him consistently earning more and more minutes. I mean, I like his mobility. He's not the most beautiful skater you've ever seen, but he covers ice. Well, you know, he shuts down play at the men's league level really well. Um, but again, that's another one where I need to circle back. Uh, Dylan, she cuts your hair and opens jars for you. How nice. Yeah. Um, she does. Uh, I, what, what I would do without her. I don't even know. Um, she, she does a lot and I'm very appreciative especially the jars what makes luke hughes a special player uh well i don't know about luke hughes being special in terms of like potential number one guy but what he does really well he's got a nice combination of size skill uh physical strength on his feet uh and and skating ability that i think all are hard to find at as high a level as he's got Um, you know, there are situations where he's being hounded by opponents and he kind of escapes that pressure really effectively and gets himself around, uh, to, to open ice and, and navigating that open ice and and making a play offensively. He's really good at that. Uh, great puck carrier through the neutral zone. He's not afraid of trying to fight through some pressure and maintaining control of the puck. Uh, the only real weakness I've noted in his game is just entering the defensive zone. Um, I think I've mentioned this before, but, but he, he manages gaps. Okay. But then when those gaps close to nothing, he has the right idea, but doesn't really execute that, that separation super well. And guys can kind of get through him. Now, granted that's gotten a lot better. Like his, his transition splits are insanely good, like three quarters offensive rate. So of, of four offensive transitions, he's involved in three are done with control, which is very good for a defenseman. Uh, even at the ushl level that that's around where you want to be uh assuming that at the ncaa level or in the nhl it won't be as it won't be as high end usually if it is then you're a great defenseman or a great offensive transition defenseman but um this is a good baseline to start with and defensively 35 percent is rock solid you know nothing spectacular in terms of you know there are guys that i've tracked that are down around 20 percent 25 percent which is insanely good but 35 percent for a top end prospect that has as much offensive tools as he has is is really promising um so yeah i mean i i the so the thing that that is interesting though uh when he is involved in offensive exits he shuts them down a ton but on defensive entries he's not nearly as effective so in terms of positioning in the neutral zone cutting off offensive transition or cutting off defensive transitions with his positioning he's right there uh, but entering the defensive zone is a bit more of an issue. But again, like I said, it's, it seems to be improving as the year goes on. Uh, Hey, Will, how have things been for you? Busy. Uh, I don't know how much NCAA you've been covering, but do you have any, uh, information on Akito Hirose of Minnesota State? I don't, I have not, I have not seen him play. I can check him out, but I can't say I've seen him. Um, at the end of the season, is there someone not in tier one that could end up there? Um, it's a good question. Uh... So outside of, oh, let's go back to, oh, let's go back to the thing I put out today. Um, yeah, so this tier, uh, if Atu Ratu continues to improve, he could end up there. Uh, I don't know if Ken Johnson will get there. I saw him again, and I think the habits that he's still got are still troubling. Um, but again, that doesn't mean that he's going to be a bust. It's just, it, you know, if you want to be a, you know, the premier guy, uh there are things that i think him with him that that are worthy of being highlighted that still haven't come enough of a ways yet um owen power it could happen i think that the fundamentals are there it's just well i shouldn't say that i I think there are parts of his game that are at a high enough level that he should be up there um but he's a he's a guy right now who does things where you know, again, I've said this almost every week, but like ever since it's been mentioned to me that he reminds someone I know of of Tyler Myers, um I can't get that out of my head. You know, like like when you see Tyler Myers wheeling up from behind the net with a with a head of steam and entering the offensive zone, he's borderline unstoppable. Um but when you when when you see Tyler Myers retrieving pucks in the defensive end, settling play down and just sort of being coordinated on that gigantic frame he's got, that's when things start to fall apart. Like I'm not surprised. I wrote it in the write-up like Owen Power's defensive catalyst percentages are 75% below Michigan without him on the ice. Like that's, that's extremely low. Like Simon Edvinson is not even close to that low. Um, it's, it's, it's really, and, and like pucks go through him in the defensive zone on defensive entries. If he has to apply himself physically, it's just not there enough. Um, and he's end up, he ends up hunched over reaching for pucks and guys can just go right around him with a lot of speed. So I, it's possible because there are traits of Owen Powers game that I really, really, really do like. Um, But there's so much where I'm going, it scares me. Like, especially if you're talking about a top three or four pick in this year's draft, I'd say. That's when you kind of start to lose me. But at five, six, seven, eight, I mean, he won't make it that far. Like, I'm pretty sure at this point that he's going to be one of the first two names or three names off the board and at that point like i'll let other teams do that um but i don't know maybe maybe i'm totally wrong and he can get everything under control that 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 seems to be hit or miss and he turns out to be a tremendous defenseman one day but there are other players right now i think that are at a higher level that that don't like if if i have say william eklund or fabian liselle in a one-on-one battle against owen power I think I know who I'm putting my money on. And you've got Luke Hughes, who's a year younger, almost full year younger, doing things in the USHL that frankly, I didn't really see Owen Power doing in the USHL last year. Um, But we'll see. I, I, you know, not counting my chickens before they hatch, but, you know, and I'm willing to have the discussion. But if that discussion is he's huge, he can skate, and he rushes pucks well, like there's a lot more to playing defense than that. And yeah. I don't know. It it's a tough one. Um other than that, I don't really think so. I don't know if Brant Clark will ever get up there. Robertson definitely won't. I I think he's probably uh, uh he's a risky one to put in the second tier. Edvinson uh I think you know, I don't I don't I just I think he's settled into a nice spot in the all um based on what I've seen, but I don't I I I don't know. I don't think if Like, it's a real gamble if you think he's going to be one of the best players in the draft. I don't see it, Um, but but I think it's possible. But I still think that the top group is kind of pulling away. I mean, it's still really close. Like I said, it's like Tier 1B. It's really close. But I just feel like, I kept asking myself, is there a group that I feel more comfortable if I had a top 5 pick or a top 3 pick? Is there a group I feel more comfortable pitching? than others and I ended up with the yes answer and I split them and I feel more comfortable this way like would I take Brant Clark over Maddie Beneers probably not for example and I and I feel pretty sure about that would I take Owen Power over him I've seen them play on the same team all year every single time I've kind of come away more impressed with Beneers and 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 that's a that's a certainty to me William Eklund I mean what would Owen Power be doing in the SHL this year I would be fascinated to know but I'll never know um, but I would be interested to see him playing at that level and do as well as as a William Eklund is. Uh obviously you can't directly compare them because they're different positions, but in terms of level of comfort on the ice,
0: I mean yeah, any anyway. Um forgot it. Is
1: that a thing that actually happened? Oh no. What do you remember was your opinion on Liné Matthews? Uh I was a hardcore Matthews at number one guy. Um, I didn't understand the line a hype for taking him first overall. Um, you know, I, I mean with line a, I mean, I wasn't nearly as active in 2016 or at least for the 2016 draft, but line a always gave me funny vibes. Like his skating was funny. His transition game was fine at the legal level, which is more than you can say for a lot of young players. His shot, obviously you can't compare it um and i felt he was gonna score a lot of goals uh but for him to sort of like he had a reputation as more of a guy who was like i'm gonna go out and score goals and that is gonna be my job and to some teams and some people that's perfectly fine i mean if you if you surround him with you know like i guess it comes down to is austin matthews a player you build a franchise around i think at the time it was very obvious that the answer to that was yes is Patrick Laine someone you build a franchise around? And I think at the time the answer was probably not, but if Laine was added to a team that say, you know, had drafted Connor McDavid the year prior, like, which they almost pulled off because Puglia Yarvey was at four. Like if Edmonton had pulled the second overall pick, the fact that Connor McDavid could have been playing with Patrick Laine, like absolutely could see that happening. Um, that, 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 that would make, that would be quite something. But, uh, I mean, your Jarvis looked pretty good this year um but yeah I was I was pretty firm on the Matthews at one thing and and I remember thinking at the time like it was a little bit silly especially being in Toronto that people were entertaining the notion that he would go Matthews would go second overall uh how has Victor Mancini looked since going to the USHL I've only seen him briefly but he's looked pretty good he's big strong shoots it good he's got some nice skill um I, I haven't seen a ton of him, but what I've seen has been pretty good Thoughts on Ovechkinov? Well, what do you want to know? I did a whole video on him. Uh, he's really fun, really good skater, tremendously involved in his team's offense this year. Um, he's been great this year, but that's at the MHL level. But again, he's very young for the draft. Um, you know, I I I don't know. He, I <laughs> I did a video on him. I really like him. Uh, everything I heard about him going into the draft teams didn't really know what to do with him because he was such an enigma but to me that doesn't that doesn't check out i thought he looked really good um and that's kind of what matters he looked really good and he's worth betting on uh but beyond that we'll see i don't expect him to be a north american hockey player for another couple of years um he probably should be in the khl full time uh he's definitely bigger and stronger than he was last year but yeah um been hopeful for him to see, um, been hopeful for, to, see, to, to see him more in the KHL, but that doesn't seem to be happening right now, unless something's changed recently, but I haven't been paying attention a ton to drafted guys recently. Uh, could you see Ken Johnson become a first line center in the NHL? I don't think so. Um, like it's going to be interesting to do the video on Ken Johnson. Cause that's going to happen. Uh, the thing about him is like, he's got a respectable motor at both ends of the ice. He can't, you can't tell him he doesn't try. I think that people who look at him for his skill and try to label him as something that is not, not, not a good defensive player. I think people are missing the point. I mean, his defensive results are poor. Um, but I just, I I look at him playing and I go, please simplify things. Like he's capable of being up here. He's got all the skill in the world to do, insane things with the puck on his stick in terms of just if he's alone on the ice or one-on-one with a goalie he's he can be one of the most skilled players in the draft if not the most but you need to apply it properly in order to make it work like one thing about marco rossi last year that i loved is that he could he could do all of those embarrassing stick moves that make you look silly but he didn't whip it out when he when he didn't need to in transition he just knew what needed to be done to drive the puck where it needed to be and and he didn't overthink offense he just made it work whereas with ken johnson there's there's so much patience at such a low pace of play that i just don't know how it will translate to the nhl like he needs at least another year in college in my view um and he's playing wing like he's predominantly playing on the wing and he's still showing these issues and i i think it's it's possible he's a center down the road but i personally again it's like tim stutzla Like he played center in junior at the DNL level level, but then at the DEL level, he played wing and he looked much more dangerous and much more, much scarier when he was allowed to play offensively. And so with Ken Johnson, like my thing would be, he's, you know, if you can alleviate his, the necessity for him to be a defensive player, he's also good along the boards. And, you know, in my view, you want him playing where he's at his best. So if he's best along his, along the boards, applying pressure, fighting for pucks, and, and turning play around along the boards, but also great with the puck on his own stick, carving around in the offensive zone, you want to put him in a position to play offensively more often. Um, so I, I think that that's probably the best place for him to play. And just say, look, your job is to score points and set plays up, you know, open up ice in the offensive zone. But he's got to learn how to do it like effectively. Because a lot of times I'm seeing him wait and wait and wait and wait. A guy will be wide open standing six feet from him and he'll wait and wait and wait. And that gap closes. And then someone closes him out and he turns the puck over. It, it it happens a lot more than him connecting on offensive plays. But the fact that, you know, like I'm not surprised he's scoring a lot on the power play because on the power play, they don't close those gaps as often or as quickly. So there's a lot of, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot to, there's a lot to digest with Kent Johnson. I mean, I remember the hype train after last season and him scoring so many points in the BCHL and watching the tape, and I'm going, he's really skilled and can pull a puck pretty much wherever anyone isn't, but, like, at the BCHL level, and he's very close to being a 2020 eligible player. Would he have been a top 10 pick last year? Maybe towards the back half, but, like, would you take Kent Johnson over an Anton Lindell? I don't know. I, I personally don't know, but I look at Kent Johnson and... I have questions in terms of where he, you know, what the likelihood of him figuring everything else out to match up to that skill level. Um, but he, he certainly can make you look silly. Uh, but there's a lot, again, like similar to own power. There's a lot more to the game than just making your opponent look silly. Um, but it is fun. Uh, thoughts on Barrett Hayton's progression. Any chance he becomes better than Kotkin Yemi? I mean, uh, I haven't seen much of Barrett Hayton this year, so maybe I'll check him out after this, and just while I'm shutting down shop, I'll, I'll check him out. I mean, I've never been a huge fan of Barrett Hayton being drafted where he was. I thought he was a solid 10th through 15th overall pick that year. Um, I mean, I, I th- guess I thought the same thing with Kinyemi, to be honest. Uh, I mean, a better version of Kotkaniemi. I mean, Kotkaniemi's still, what, 20 years old? He's not done developing, um, so I don't really know. Uh, with Barrett Hayton, every time I've seen him in the NHL, which hasn't been this season, granted, I, he hasn't really looked NHL ready. Um, but we'll see. I I can't really speak to anything specific on him. How does Luke Hughes compare to Byram Drysdale and Sanderson? Uh, I'd rather have Luke over, well, sorry. I'd, I'd rather have a Byram, uh, a even a Drysdale over him. Um, Drysdale's four-way mobility is insane. Um, so is Byram's. Um, but, I, I mean, Luke Hughes and Jake Sanderson, I think we're having a legitimate discussion about which one is more valuable. I think there's more offense in, in Luke Hughes' game than Jake Sanderson's down the road. Um, I mean, Jake Sanderson's not a bad offensive player, but Luke Hughes' ability to work the blue line offensively, step up, open up ice, and, and, and send passes around the offensive zone, it's just a bit you know, Jake Sanderson was more of a step up from the blue line and carry it down below the goal line and, you know, make a lap around the offensive zone kind of offensive vision. But with, with Luke Hughes, he just knows how to spot the ice all. He knows how to view the ice in the offensive zone, you know, from, from, from a defensive standpoint, I think in a more projectable way where his offense might translate more. But Sanderson, in terms of their transition ability, you know, Sanderson's a better defensive transition player than Hughes was at the same age. Um, for sure, but I think Hughes shows the right instincts to get to that point at some point. Um, whereas Sanderson, you know, I, I mean, I I would take either, I guess, is what I'm saying. But I think I would, if I had to put them in an order, I mean, I would probably go Byram, Drysdale, Luke Hughes, and then Sanderson. But but it's they're all they're all kind of close. Uh, will you do a rookie report on Evan Bouchard? He's been raising expectations as of late, and wondering if your opinion has changed about him. Uh, maybe, uh, I already have quite a few lined up. I don't know how many I'm going to get done. Uh, they take quite a while to do. Um, and the last one I did made me completely rethink my strategy around them. So I'm going to see what I can get done. Uh, I have a few days off my day job around this weekend. So I'm going to try to grind out as much video work as I can during that, during that weekend. So that'll be fun. Um, but Evan Bouchard, I mean, my opinion on him hasn't really changed. Um, last, I mean, it's really rare for players that showed as many defensive issues as he did last year and this year when he was in Sweden to completely rebuild their game now. I mean, he's a heck of a shooting defenseman. When he gets the puck in the offensive zone, you hold your breath. If you're the opponent and you hold your breath, if you're an Oilers fan, like he he's, he's got a heck of a shot, you know, he's a heck of a, he got a heck of a steam ahead of steam going offensively. Um, you know, like I just, I, I haven't seen a ton of him this year, but I have seen him a couple of times. Um, he's looked better than I thought he would. I'll give him that. And again, I've always been on the, the Bouchard bandwagon. He was the sixth overall guy to me when he was draft eligible. Um, but the, the lack of evolution in his defensive game was worrisome, I would say, but if it was just a matter of him getting into the NHL and giving a crap, then maybe, then maybe, then, then maybe he was just, you know, he just needed to be in the NHL to be better. But still like that doesn't strike me as a strategy. Like there was some stuff I saw in the AHL last year that just blew my mind. I couldn't believe that he was doing that, you know, abandoning defensive responsibilities constantly, um, in favor of sort of looking for those offensive chances. But, uh, time will tell, time will tell, but his on ice impacts have not been negative. Um, you know the oilers are not a great defensive team but he doesn't seem to be making them any worse which i think is fine especially considering how much he can promote offense um is dylan gunther only low because he hasn't played uh he's lower because i mean when he has played i don't i just don't think he's been as good like he's playing in the ajhl he didn't play very many games but but when he was playing i thought all right he's looking pretty good but not like uh first overall pick playing in the AJHL. I've seen a lot of AJHL hockey. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of guys who are going below their weight class. And then you can tell that they're not sort of giving it everything. Maybe that was just early season stuff from him where he was sort of getting his feet going. Um, and I mean, I have him at 12th overall. Uh, but I, I mean, I look at the other guys ahead of him. I mean, maybe he could end up in, in sort of the nine through 12 range. Um, but a lot of these other guys have just been really, really impressive, um, especially the Europeans that I think kind of bump him down a little bit. Uh, and I mean, he's had, what, five games at the AJHL level this season, um, and we're talking about guys who have been playing a full year against men in Finland, like Ratu or a full year against men in Sweden, like William Eklund. Um, you know, goalies that are unbelievable against men in Sweden, like Jesper Valstead, like the resume and and sort of the track record is you know you kind of have to go with what you got and maybe that means a team can get a steal in Gunther for sure um but again we're talking about really really high draft picks and I'm not of the belief that you can be sort of willy-nilly with them especially if you're a team that's rebuilding um so you know the the beast you know is that is kind of what's trumping
0: everything there um oh I lost the question okay do you see Eklund as John and Johnson at center as centers? Uh
1: well, I just went over Ken Johnson in excruciating detail. Eklund I don't see as a center, I don't think. I don't think he, I don't I don't think he's played center this year. Uh winger and I think he's better as a winger. He's great along the boards with the puck, really evasive. He attacks the he attacks the middle from the boards really well. Um just a really good perimeter player who can cut inside really effectively. And I I think that that's perfectly reasonable uh for a winger. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be a center. Um especially with how he handles pressure physically. He's still not there yet in terms of just the strength on his feet. I don't think he's got it right now. And he's small and small centers, you know, are hard to come by. I mean, Marco Rossi is kind of a a, a bit of a outlier, but William Eklund I think would make a great complimentary sort of offensive winger on the, in your top six, maybe even a top line guy, but for sure, i I think i again like similar to ken johnson i look at his strengths and go that guy's probably a winger especially because he's a very effective winger at the shl level right now uh it's unlikely bedard is going to grow past 510 since his parents are small do you think this will lower his chances of going first no how has thomas bordolo improved uh is michigan's firepower inflating his stats uh his skating has taken a huge step i mean he last year he was putting in a lot of work and going nowhere um this year he seems to be much more confident and stronger uh on his feet and really sort of driving driving play really effectively um oh uh yeah so i i i've been even surprised i mean i had him pretty low relative to the to the rest of the world um it's bugging me that i didn't put this up uh so yeah i mean his skating is the biggest thing that's driving that for sure I mean his defensive game is still kind of eh, it's it's a bit troubling he he was you know just a bit flat-footed last year kind of getting stuck behind the play chasing play a lot uh and that's kind of happened this year but in, in terms of offense and driving offense in the ncaa he's looked really really good uh what do you think is the best possible case scenario upside for uh ryan ufko uh i mean i, I he's like hress to me like his puck management is fine uh a lot of the time it's it's okay his skating is underwhelming for a small defenseman like if if you have a small defenseman you need to you need to really be able to move uh his shot he's got a heck of a shot um it's just like if you have a defenseman who has a heck of a shot you know again there's more to the game than that and the rest of the thing with him is a bit tough he's producing a lot on the power play as well um which you know when he's out there six minutes a night for chicago on the power play because that's how chicago works he'll put in the points um but i mean like i'll pull him up because i feel i just tracked him and he's a guy who other guys have just impressed me a little bit more like lucas gustafson i've put on my list he's only played eight games with chicago but his mobility and his his ability to spot guys in the neutral zone and send pucks all over the ice um is is really interesting and you know, he's been playing with Ufko a little bit when he does play. He's only, he's exclusively playing five on five minutes and it's only like eight or nine minutes a night. Good production in prep last year. He's a bit older for this draft class, but I've liked him. Um, and yeah, so with Ufko, like the possession data is okay. It's fine. Um, his defensive transition data is, is okay. Uh, offensive transition data also is okay but that's all it is like a lot of this is just kind of okay not a ton of dangerous passing and he's missing a lot of his passes which is usually forgivable but at the you know at the ushl level on a team as talented as chicago for a a potential offensive defenseman i just i think there are other guys that interest me more than ufco and that's what sort of bumps him down my list a little bit more so best case possible upside i mean maybe like a secondary power play defenseman uh you know with you know that you send out at five on five and just sort of he treads water you know like i'm trying to think of an example but you know not someone you play 20 minutes a night but maybe with with power play time 15 16 17 minutes um where are we here is roman schmidt a player worth looking at Defenders defenders that big with little mobility tend to go pretty high in the draft Uh, well actually the thing about roman schmidt is that he actually is a pretty good skater um he can move pretty well um i oh we have a new member in the house uh oh it's robert love what's going on the the mr fantalitica himself is here uh welcome aboard uh rob uh i think i have your email already but just ship me an email uh with the email you want your account because uh i don't get to see your email from youtube like i do with patreon uh, patreon uh, but thank you very much uh is roman Schmidt a player worth looking at i i don't have him ranked uh he his his possession data with the u s national team is not good um you know he's big but has the disadvantages of a big player like guys go right around him his straightforward skating mobility is really good when the puck is on his stick you know he can build up ahead of steam and and get moving um but the skill and and the defensive play and i mean i have seen him get absolutely walked a lot i mean people i know have been comparing him to sort of this year's tyler clevin um maybe maybe i could see him being a bit of a step up on a tyler clevin but again like it's just he's a player where even if i had interest in him he'll probably be drafted before i'd be ready to pick him and i look at that and go i don't know Um, you'd basically be drafting him to hope that the coordination and everything sort of rounds itself around the natural skating talent that he's got. And I, that, that spooks me. Um, there are other defensemen I think that are more effective defensively right now that, that you could pick on or pick up, not pick on. Uh, who do you think in this draft is a really safe pick in the 15 to 25 range? Well, considering you're an Oilers fan, I'm assuming that's who you're talking about. Um i mean simon robertson should be available in that range he should be a guy uh he should be a guy that you look at um i think he's really undervalued i i really think there's a really good player there the more and more confident he gets uh i think he's gonna get better and better um so i mean even if he's not a top six player like he could be in my view i think he should be a player based on the energy and the speed and the skill that he brings Um, Oscar Olalson is up the same alley. I think he's more of a safer pick, but I don't know if he's going to be like a top end player. Um, like a really safe pick in that range. I mean, yeah, I mean like Mason McTavish could be an interesting one. He, I I think that there's interesting upside there. He works hard. He's a good two-way player with a great shot. Um, you know, I mean, Carson Lambos, probably won't be available, but if he is, I think he's got a safety net around him. Daniel Cháca as well. Uh, that's, there's going to be a few of those, just like really safe guys. Um, that might not, you know, like Daniel Cháca might not be more than a number four or third pair guy that you just go out and don't have to worry about. At least that's what he's sort of been with the KHL team. Um, the offense is, is kind of there, but it's largely driven off of his shot. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if if he's going to be an NHL player, I don't expect anything enormously massive. Uh, baguette for rent? Oh, a renting a baguette—that sounds like a really good business plan. Uh, a lot of what you track is about the here and now, but the draft is about projecting three, five, ten years down the road. How hard is it to find the balance of eye test projections versus data-driven ones? It—that's a great question. I it, it, it you know, I think it's really important as someone who works with data and projection like this. Like it's really important to be very forthright about the limitations of your work. Like I'm not trying to say that what I've got is magic magic sauce that will cut through all of the biases and and perfect perfect the process. Um all I'm trying to do is give myself as much information as I can to make the best bets I can. And I don't think I'll know the outcomes of what I'm doing in terms of their benefit for another 4 or 5 years. Like last season was the first year where I had a sizable data set that I could look at and go, you know, I, I have an informed take on X amount of players and where I think they could go and end up. And this year I have much more to work with, which is great. And I'm hoping that that trend continues into the future. So I'll have a stronger and stronger idea of where I'm going. But what is, uh, the thing, the thing that's been really interesting and like, this might take a while for me to explain because it's a great question. Um, the McKean's articles I'm writing are a really fascinating exercise and do exactly what you're talking about, because it, it allows me to go back in time and say, all right, in this individual case study, how, what would my read have been and how has things, how, and how have things changed up until this point? Right? Like, um, we'll go through them. Like Leah Anderson, uh, you, you based on what I've seen out of all the hockey I've watched in the last three seasons where I've really, really been dialed in, um, Leah Sanderson struck me as a guy who just was drafted really, really high. Like the data showed that he was a decent SHL level player, but the video showed that there were a lot of things that were not necessarily high end. And a lot of things that at the NHL level, the way he was playing, um you're not really gonna see an extremely high-end player there i don't think and and it was his strength on his feet his willingness to fight along the boards which is whether you like it or not that's something you need to do in the nhl um you know his his open ice passing ability he loved to have the puck on his stick but you know under pressure that would kind of fall apart um so but 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 i guess the other thing is with 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 Anderson specifically over the years you notice oh okay like he's he's still largely the same player and i find that that's been the case with a lot of players like even the ones in 2019 who have had a couple of years to develop uh the ones that i really took a look at guys like Arseni Gritsyuk um Pavel Dorofiev um Zach Jones they're largely in terms of when you watch them play the game They're largely the same profiles. It's very rare for a player to say, be a a a really mobile, hyper offensive defenseman, and turn into a stalwart defensive defenseman. Like it happens, but they're outliers. Um, like Ron Hainsey is a good example of that. But like in that situation, I think that what's important, and this is where the video comes in, because you asked about I and data. You can identify, in my opinion, you can identify an offensive leaning player who has traits and abilities that should translate to good two-way ability. Um, like, I, again, I don't want to spoil the video, but Niels Hoaglander is a, a fantastic example of that. Um, you watch him play in when he was draft eligible. He was defensively just not there. He was, he was a net negative goal impact player because he just didn't bring the same kind of skill, intelligence, and intensity to the defensive zone. In the NHL... I, he, he was more impressive to me away from the puck than he was with it, which is completely bananas to me. But when you look at him, when he was draft eligible, you saw the instincts and or it was the, it was more about the mindset and the instincts that he needed to sort of tweak, but the skating and the intelligence and the offensive ability were still always there. So he kind of tweaked his approach and, and how he played, but you know, the fundamentals of how he played doesn't, hasn't really shifted. And when I look at guys like Oliver Wallstrom and Leah Sanderson, and most recently Mario Ferraro, Mario Ferraro's evolved his game, but the style of play that he's bringing hasn't really changed. And the level to which he's playing and the, 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 the um, statistical areas he's improved or disproved, uh, or dis, uh, the, the the areas where he's improved or stayed at a very high level or the areas where he was a bit lackluster as a draft eligible um he hasn't it didn't really change there were things that were tweaked about his game but he was all in his ushl games that i track he was mobile he worked hard uh he 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 was willing to battle against the boards um and he clogged the neutral zone really really well in the second ushl game i tracked the first one He was just out there trying to hit everything that moved and you could, but, but again, like the way that I see it is what can a coach really control that doesn't make the player completely, you know, try to fundamentally change their game. And to me, it was like, all right, Mario, I know you want to hit guys, but there's more to defense than that. I respect your work ethic, but you know, you have a great set of feet under you. You can skate, you can cover ice pretty effectively, Um, you know, and I think that there were things that were in his game that he just hadn't learned wouldn't work. And then when he was in a situation where he was trying it, so things like offensive rushes and quarterbacking and offense, it just, his pace there wasn't there. And, and that's the biggest thing that I always fall back on when I'm looking at junior players. And that's why my ranking often, you know, like how many times in this post did I mention the word pace? Um, probably like 40 because the more and more i watch and the more and more i watch of the nhl in which direction it's going um like i've said pace 17 times in this article uh so there you go uh some of it's relative to production but but anyway that's besides the point um it's really important to me like i have sasha Pastajov ranked lower matthew coronado ranked lower joshua Wise isn't even ranked because their the pace of their game is really low and when you when they play against opponents that play faster and harder and more intense and challenge them they kind of lose it a little they're 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 still decent players and i have passed java and coronado in my second round because they still know how to play in that in that situation but it's not nearly as effective as as when they're in their comfort zone and and that comfort zone goes away over time um so again like i said this was going to be a long-winded answer but the it's why you can't just look at data but the data does indicate certain things that that helps and when it comes to looking at players especially having looked back in time at players when they were draft eligible like if i had done tracking data on oliver wallstrom he would not have been anywhere near where he was drafted and i was already lower on him than most people um he was a volume shooter again no pace to his game uh his skill level was not very high it was You know, he was a guy who could score from anywhere at the junior level and, and, you know, he had a decent playmaking streak to him, a lethal shot that he could use from anywhere, but that dried up very quickly. Like his, he, he wasn't getting, he wasn't putting in enough work in the defensive zone to earn those offensive situations. That's another thing. Um, there's a lot of guys who score a lot of points, but a lot of other guys do a lot of the work for them. And whenever it is their job to get the puck out of the defensive zone and in the offensive zone, it's slow. It's plodding. There's not a lot of skill, maneuvering, manipulating opponents. All of those things are going to need to be things you do not even at the AHL level or at the NHL level, like every step in between junior and the NHL. It's it's tough. Um, and so I'm looking for guys that cover all of those bases at the junior age level and push play and and play hard at both ends of the ice and you don't really have to worry about them and, and changing their overall approach to the game, but that's hard to do with data. So I totally get where you're coming from. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're taking, you're taking cupcakes and throwing them at the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, and to me, like, I think about this a lot, like picking stocks. Like if any of you are finance people, nothing is guaranteed. You know, you, you can do all the research you want in, in a stock that you're interested in and you buy in, you know, based on how confident you are. And then you just sort of hold on and see what happens. And, you know, like it, it, and and at some point it might be a completely different outcome than what you expected, but it's still an outcome. Um, and you kind of have to live with that. Like, I think there's uncertainty in in any case. And again, like my work isn't perfect, but what I'm trying to do is say, all right, give me a player and I'll tell you how they play. And I'll tell you, how their play translates into results and then i'll tell you sort of how that how is generated like is it is it projectable right like that and and those are the factors that are important and to me the biggest things i'm looking for is pace and 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 two-way sort of instincts you don't got to be incredible defensively but you got to be there especially if you want to score points like you, you can't you can't be just waiting for the puck to hit you in the neutral zone you know uh and if if you are that type of a player you better be really 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 freaking good like Ayrton martino was in my first round this year defensively he needs work he's he's lackadaisical in defensive zone he he takes his foot off the gas pedal he he cheats for offense but boy that guy gets at least two breakaways a game no one can touch him when he gets into the neutral zone with the puck He attacks the net he's a playmaker as well he's devastating offensively and it and to me it outweighs the cons but there are still those cons but there's a lot of guys where the cons are there but the but the pros aren't on the same level to me um so again it's all about balance like you said um but it all has to work together really carefully in in balance because if it doesn't like if you rely too much on the data the best players in the draft aren't the best players in the draft um personally you on paper, at least, uh, some of them are, but, but not all of them. So that's where the video and and sort of the context comes in. Everything, everything factors in thoughts on Evan Naus? Uh, he's good. Nice skill for a defenseman. He's big. He's rangy. Uh, I think I had him in my second round. Um, I think Evan Naus. uh, yeah, he's in the middle of my second round around 50th, 49th. I mean, I think he's perfectly reasonable for a shot at like a low upside, high de- high floor kind of guy. Solid defensively, dependable skill, he can run a transition pretty well. Uh but I haven't tracked any games of him. I might I might do so by the end of the year cuz I have liked him a lot. Um but yeah, I I I, I dig the guy. Where are Eklund and Fabian compared to Raymond Holtz and Gundler at the same age? Uh I mean, I uh I mean Fabian Fabian Lisel Liss- I think is right in that group in terms of Raymond level I think Eklund is probably between sort of a Holtz and a Lisell um and Gundler I think is behind them you know I look at Eklund and I think he brings more to the game overall than Alexander Holtz did at the same age but the shot that Alexander Holtz has is just devastating and I I think that that's kind of alone a high-end trait whereas with Eklund I think there's more of a well-rounded game that I think puts him a bit higher but with Liesel I, I again I think with the potential with Liesel is is higher than it is with Eklund um, he's playing nowhere near the kind of minutes that Eklund is playing and he's changed to a completely new program um, mid-season so I'll forgive him for an adjustment period Um, but I mean when I've seen him play for Lulio in, in the in the SHL he's looked great and Eklund has also looked great, but like I, I think if you're asking, I'd put I put uh, Fabian uh, and Will between Raymond and Holtz, personally. But, uh, but Holtz isn't far back, and then Gundler's probably a, a few steps, or a step back from those guys. Who are some zippy scoring forwards I can watch for fun this year? Uh, Ayrton Martino, um, for sure. Mackie Samuskevich is a lot of fun to watch nikita chibrikov when he has his head on straight is a lot of fun to watch simon robertson cole sillinger uh sometimes isaac Rosen, but his game in the shl seems completely different from junior um but those are the ones i'd jump to right away kent johnson as well but maybe not so zippy if you're looking for zippy fun time like the epitome of that i think is Ayrton martino for sure Samuskevich is right up there though and chibrikov Oh, small late round guys, maybe. All right, well, let's go to the bottom here. Carl Umegard is fun. If you can find video of him, he's a lot of fun. Pretty small, but he's fun. Uh, Yegor Suchkov, he should be drafted by now. If it was up to me, he would be drafted. Um, other fun zippy boys. Uh, the zippy boy. Actually, I'm wearing a zippy boy right now. Uh, get yours at scouchwear. Uh, Teespring.com slash stores slash scouchwear. Uh, small guys who can move and score points. Alexander Suvorov with Belarus in the Belarusian league is is also a lot of fun to watch.
0: Um, uh, yeah, I mean Theo Jacobson maybe as well out of Sweden. Uh, but
1: a lot of them are more up near the top end of the draft, like. But it depends on where Aaron Martino gets drafted, I guess. But he's 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 the number one fun zippy boy. Uh, Montreal is getting its own as ECHL team. Do you think NHL teams can use their ECHL teams to maximize development? I mean, it doesn't hurt. um I'm hoping that the boost to the NH- to the AHL with all the kids this year kinda helps. There be some sort of an agreement between the NHL and the CHL. I hope, cause the AHL for a certain class of players is a better destination. Uh, I hope that there's a leeway on that, but, but I'm not counting my eggs before they hatch. I'm going to switch over to Twitch briefly, because there's a couple of questions there as well. Um, hypothetical, where would you rank Alex Turcott in last year's draft and this year's? Alex Turcott in this year's draft would certainly be in this tier one group, like probably at number three, maybe, like one, two, or three, you could talk about him with me. Uh, maybe lizel could be in that group as well but he would be certainly in this top five group probably at three right now um last year uh probably just outside the my top five like i wouldn't put him in the same category as raymond uh, uh rossi and stutzla but he's not far back he probably would lead the pack after that group uh probably so sixth ish i would say maybe i don't i just don't think he knocks tim stutzla out of five for me and i don't think he knocks lucas raymond out of four they're they're all really good players though to say the least um natty ice oh your first time on the stream welcome uh th- th- this is actually a record-setting night on twitch believe it or not seven people uh, uh gives me hope um can you talk about jonathan bergerin of course he's friggin sick uh i'm really glad that he sorted it out um He's skilled, he's fast, he's fun. He should have been a first round pick when he was drafted. I mean he barely wasn't, but the fact that he might be a red wing as soon as next year, if not two years from now gross uh he's a, he's a really really good hockey player i I just have tons of fun watching him play if he can stay healthy i he's got a lot of potential, and he always did uh Mike, hey, well, I'm just interested in hearing your opinion on Sasha pastijov um, yeah, so the data that I've tracked on him is insanely good. But again, I've, I mentioned Pace earlier. I, his skill is fine, but it's not otherworldly. He knows how to use his skill effectively. He's smart. He chips in offensively. He doesn't overthink things, which I respect. Uh, but th- I tracked a game against an NCAA program, and it wasn't a very good one. Uh, and they shut him down way more effectively than, than, than the USHL teams I saw him play. Um, you know, he knows how to pull pucks around opponents. He knows how to play offensively. Um, But again, he's another one of those guys who floats up near the blue line defensively, kind of waiting for the play to come to him. And instead of dictating play, he kind of reacts when it gets into his zone of influence. But then he's kind of fine and off and dandy and, and off to the races. But the skating, I think, the skating alone is something that could really hamper his potential. Like Bobby Brink wasn't the best skater, but his work rate was outstandingly high. And his tight in space, like his tight space skill and agility was kind of what made him so special to me. Um, whereas Pastajov just doesn't really have that. He's more of an open ice guy. He shoots from everywhere. Uh, like he kind of reminds me of VT Mietnin, but not as good of a skater. And, and that troubles me because VT Mietnin even had his own issues and he was even more of a volume shooter, but he produced a lot. Um, so I'm skeptical on Pastijov, but if you surround him with guys who can play strong high energy hockey and he's sort of relied upon to score points, potentially I could see it, I guess. Uh Did you track Vincent Lee, Vincent you Vincent Vincent Lorio? You mean Dior Vincent Iorio? Uh if you're talking about Vince, Vincent Iorio, he hasn't played yet, I don't think, so I haven't. Um Why do you have power Clark and Edvinson in that order? Um edvinson is the probably riskiest player at the top end of this year's draft but although i will admit he's gotten better and better as the year has gone on um clark so we'll go in order with owen power and brant clark i think if you twisted my arm i would want owen power over brant clark i think power has a ceiling that clark kind of doesn't clark's skating is really good i really like his mobility laterally i really like his ability to cover ice and pivot around the ice Um, his straightforward skating with the puck on his stick is not super great compared to a guy like Jake Sanderson or Jamie Drysdale last year, but you can survive on that. His puck distribution is getting better. I mean, I think he was trying a little bit too much and and icing the puck a lot. Um, but, but there's a lot of offensive tools that are really nice there with him, uh, with Owen power though, his transition game offensively. I mean, once I, like I said, there's value in a really big defenseman who can pass the puck like he can in the offensive zone, and you know he spots his options and executes really well offensive transitions he can be unstoppable um you're really i think he's more of a gamble than clark because the defensive side of the game with power is where i get really scared but i also feel like you're not gonna have to think about which one to pick of the two because power's probably gone first couple of picks of the draft this year and clark based on his pedigree might slip kind of like jamie drysdale did last year a little bit not that he slipped super far but you know, like San- Sanderson going before Drysdale wasn't super expected beforehand. Um, what is your opinion on Gage Gonzalez? Didn't you ask me that last week? Uh, I I don't know. I mean, Lightning reporters are really excited for him because they have no other kids to be excited about. Um, he's fine. I, he was drafted really high. Uh, to me, I mean, he's a good puck distributor. He's clever. He's smart. Um, you know, he knows how to create a play in the offensive zone. But uh, yeah, I don't I i don't know he was an he was a re-entry guy last year i liked him i had him ranked but i didn't think that there was anything like extraordinarily undervalued there um but the tampa bay lightning have made people look silly before so i'm not gonna not gonna judge uh got sent down to the whl in his first year due to lack of production do you think lafreniere's situation is comparable i don't think lafreniere is going anywhere uh Lafreniere is doing a lot of the right things uh the puck's just not going in from what I've seen of Lafreniere like he's driving play pretty well um he 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 knows how to chip in I knew there was going to be an adjustment period but I would try to make it work as long as I could uh because him going back to the queue there's no point he had bad habits in the queue I think he's sort of getting those getting those removed from his game this year more than anything
0: um yeah Say good things about Brennan Othman. Uh, he can shoot really good. I I need
1: to circle back and look at more of him. Uh, he he can shoot it. His transition game is better than I thought it would be. Uh, both directions, but late first round pick to me, and you sort of hope he's a complimentary scoring guy that can really rip it. Um, Hugo felt as a goalie has been getting a lot of hype in our system too. I mean, he's a goalie, so we'll see. I can't really say that you know. I will say that I'm pretty sure that he was the second best goaltender for the Swedes at the world juniors this year, but played way more. Um, but that's that there's no, there's no point to that. Thoughts on Nick Robertson and who you see as his NHL comparable. Uh, My thoughts on Nick Robertson are well-documented. He's great. Uh, he was a top 25 player to me when he was draft eligible. Um, tons and tons of fun, crazy good shot, crazy high work rate. Uh, you know, I don't know what he's going to be in the NHL. Um, you know, like the way that it's really tough. Like there's not very many players in the NHL who kind of have that kind of a work rate that he has. It's almost too high. Um, but he certainly knows how to drive offensive to offense for sure. Uh, I don't know what NHL player that would remind me of right off the top of my head. Um, but he's a really, really good player and i'm glad to see that he's hit the ground running after getting hurt in the in the ahl so far have you seen cole huckins yes he's very good um i am one of few people that has him ranked um it seems where is he here most people have him ranked around the third round end of the second round i've got him in the mid for mid mid second um he comes and goes but when he plays when he plays, he plays he good uh he's he's got some interesting data to him but he kind of disappeared in the last game i tracked of him and that kind of like it was to the point where i'm like okay what the hell um but his offensive transition game really good generating offense overall pretty solid but uh, again like one of the games i tracked he did almost nothing um but he's big he can skate he can protect the puck he's got skill uh and he can shoot it and pass it there's a lot to like So if you can get him later in the draft than say the first two rounds, then you're laughing, I think. Um, haven't had a chance to watch the USHL. How has Adam Fantillio looked for 2023? It's hard to tell, but it's the USHL and he's looked fine. You know, like at the USHL level to look fine at that age is perfectly reasonable. Um, but yeah. Uh what were your thoughts on Kakinyemi before the twenty eighteen draft? Uh like 10 to 15th overall range i think i had him ranked 12th i thought he was a really good two-way guy with some good sort of offense or not offense with some with some really good speed to him um but i thought that it was a big reach where they took him but i could see it you know his instincts were always there he he was a good skater at the men's league level um you know he crashed the net really well offensively and, and could sort of drive high danger that way um you know, but he was in that sort of 10 to 15 range. I really liked all those defensemen that were available, uh, a lot. And I thought jumping all of them to take Kakenyemi was intense, but whatever.
0: Um, of chinikov oh
1: yeah of chinikov's been playing 10 minutes a night in the khl recently yep there you go yeah he is still adjusting he is still very soft and and slight on his feet um and going from the mhl's east conference to the khl is a big jump could wallstip be a good fit for detroit considering the rebuild time frame when is he nhl ready their rebuild is hopefully nearing an end uh i mean he could be an interesting pick i mean it depends on where detroit's picking um i would think that detroit is going to take a long, hard look at him. I think they're going to take a long, hard look at all the Swedes in that area, Eklund and and uh, and and Liesel, for example, depending on where their pick is. Uh, I don't think Walstead is a guy you'll see in the NHL for the next season or two, but again, like, if he goes to the SHL next season and has like a 930 save percentage season and he's goaltender of the year, uh, that's going to be tough to keep your hands off of, but goalies, you got to bring them along slow. Uh, but if he can buck that trend, then sure. Uh, he, I think he's got maturity beyond his years. You know, he's a robot in net. I kind of wrote that. Um, I enjoy watching him play. I don't think, you know, no one has done what he has done in the SHL ever. So, you know, he's on an Island on his own. I mean, it's possible, but I still look at the Detroit Red Wings and look at them down the middle in the future. And I go, I don't know what this team is going to look like at center outside of Dylan Larkin. Um, and if Matthew Beniers is available wherever they pick, then maybe that's a thing. Oh, Naraj, thank you very much. Always, always a generous, generous person. This Naraj Reedy. So, high five. Um. Yeah. Last year you said Pai Yunyemi would have to keep it up production for you to believe it. Seems like this season he's still playing as well as he did last year. Is either real deal? Real deal. Uh, thoughts
0: on him? I need to see him. I I haven't I haven't seen him play this year. Um. I. I need to know as well. Um, can I just go straight to his? Yes. Um, so, oh. man. Be really nice if it just reloaded in English. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen him play a ton this year, if at all. Um, there sorry apologies for the delay i just want to see what his shooting percentage is
1: yeah i mean so his scoring his scoring rate is still pretty good um and and his differentials are better uh so yeah i mean sure he looks good in terms of the data perspective i haven't but i haven't seen him play in in finland so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say he's the real deal but he's been looking promising that the things are trending in the right direction i believe last year there was a lot of power play scoring but you know if you can shoot it you can shoot it and if the rangers get their own victor olofsson kind of thing then then that's great um what do you think of kako and lafreniere so far this year have you watched them much yeah uh lafreniere is coming don't worry it's gonna happen um kako lafreniere they've definitely lafreniere's again like i said doing everything the right way you know, he's playing the right way. He, he, he's, he's doing the thing in transition, both directions pretty well. You know, he's not shy of physical intimidation. He knows what he's doing, but the puck's just not going in. And again, like this is the only place for him to play. I, it doesn't make sense for him to go to the QMJHL, the AHL. Maybe there's something he could learn down there, but like, I don't know. it, it You don't want to you don't want to discourage the guy who went first overall. Like most first overall picks, don't disappear. And I don't think he's been that bad. You know his results have been good. The points have not been there. So I think it's more of a patience thing. He got the monkey off his back with the goal, but I don't think that you know. I don't know. I I I'm not panicking. I guess, and I don't think Rangers fans should panic about him. Kako, he's improved. He's just gotten better this year. Like that's really all I can say he's he's looking quicker you know more confident more assured um and it's paid off he's looked better uh that that's really the long and short of it and and it didn't take much to be better than he was last year but he's better is eckland really as good as the hype train has him uh he's very good i i think he's part of that top group and if i've had enough to drink at the draft then maybe i could consider him first overall um but he's very good i i think it's legit his scoring rate has slowed a bit in the last little bit but he's still very good um you know he's he's got a lot of nice really diverse skill sets he's one of the few players in this draft that can sort of chain together positive events really well uh which you don't see very often at the junior level let alone the shl level so so there's a lot to like there um I, i i dig him and i think that the hype train for him at least as a top five pick is is legitimate Do you think late-round swings like Blickfeld, uh, Chekovich, and Sasha Schmielewski could turn out to be bottom six players? I hope so, because they're all pretty good players. Um, I'm more excited about Chekovich and Schmielewski, Chekovich especially, Uh, but yeah, those guys are all guys that were drafted. Well, especially Chekovich and Schmielewski were drafted way too late, uh, and they've come along really well. How much does age matter in the draft? I mean, it matters if you're looking like the thing that's important i always go back to work that uh a friend of mine did in terms of age uh where anyone born in let's say this year for the 2021 draft they're born in 2002 those players get an artificial advantage from having an extra year of development at different age groups and then at the draft the ages sort of flip or the the age rules change so what you get is a is an advantage for those really, really old players because they get more experience at certain levels. Like 2002 born CHL players were eligible for a, a Bantam draft or a midget draft a year before, uh, and they get an extra year in the OHL. So, or the WHL or whatever. Um, whereas with, uh, whereas with the 2003s, for example, it levels off about from January but the guys born in like May, June, July, August, and September. those guys are the ones that are artificially deflated. The really, really young players, and the really, really old players are where you get a bit of bias going either direction um so I'm always skeptical, especially when you're comparing two different cases at once. The ones that are really interesting to me are the ones where it's like Luke Hughes and uh and Owen Power. You know those are two defensemen almost an entire year apart owen power played at the level luke hughes is at now last year where you know and where do you square that circle you know age matters to me in a sense where you know if i see a player born in may 2003 who is coming out of say under 18 swedish hockey and playing under 20 and doing really well in limited usage i i value that because they're clearly lower on the totem pole but doing more like they are they're they're lower on the on the pyramid or whatever you want to call it but but they're 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 outperforming and earning more. And the the production just might not be there because they're not playing as much as their other older teammates uh who might have graduated a bit earlier than him. Um and the opposite is true. Like I look at guys like Tristan Braz who's a good player in the USHL but he's almost a 2020 eligible and his production isn't really blowing me away, you know. And I I think there's a decent player there. I I wouldn't say no to picking him in the mid-rounds, but I I just wonder how much more runway there is when he isn't sort of that USHL high-end scoring guy for a guy that was born and is very close to a 2021 eligible, or 2020 eligible, I should say. So it matters in sort of an individual case study situation. You know, like it factors in. When was the player born? and, And what are the results? And what are they doing? Um... You know, like there are some really young players this year that relative to guys almost a full year older than them, guys like Marcus Almquist, Jeremy Wilmer, um, there's a lot to like. Luke Hughes is another one. Um, and I don't think that it's, it's a shock that a lot of high, high draft picks are really, really old. And the guys that slip in the draft are often really young, like Nick Robertson, really, really young player. Brady Brett Berard, really, really young. Um, I mean, they're also small that also causes them to slip, but yeah, it all, it all factors in, I'd say would love to know your thoughts on Cal foot. I have not seen him play honestly, so I'll have to check him out. Um, foot and Sergachev. Uh, yeah, no, sorry. I don't know. I'm always wary of specific team fans asking me about guys. They really like who I have not seen a ton of. I can only watch so much hockey (laughs) and I live in Canada. I live in Toronto. Um, and Toronto is, uh, not, it, we, we don't get that many Tampa games these days, uh, and so I can't say that I've been out watching a bunch of the NHL, um, so I can't say much about Cal Foot, especially relative to Mikhail surgachev Uh, thoughts on the viewpoint that this draft is terrible, it feels really premature and also similar to how people crapped on 2017. Yeah, I don't think it's as bad as people think it is, um I don't think you're ending up with the elite of the elite uh like you have in r- the last couple of drafts I'd say. Uh like I don't think Matthew Biniers is going to completely change the face of your franchise if he's first overall. Jasper Volstead, if he's a franchise goaltender could certainly be a guy that transforms your franchise, but that's a goalie and you're really running a big risk. Um you know, I think guys like Lisel And Eklund could be first-line wingers that could score a lot of points and and look, you know, be a lot of fun. But, like, there's no real cornerstone players, which is okay. Um, I think there's a lot of solid middle six options in the first round available um, across the board. But the really interesting part of the draft, I mean, I called tier five the meat of the draft, I I think that the group from 29 to 45-ish is really interesting and has potential to outperform their draft slot pretty significantly. Guys like, uh, Samu Tuomala, um, Ayrton Martino, um, Dylan Duke, uh, Jake Martin, uh, Tihitschek as well. Lorenzo Kananika. He's another really young one that, that I think the age factors in as well. Um, I think that's kind of where there's going to be some interesting picks to be made. Um, I, I'm not of the belief that it's terrible, but it's definitely, I think there's inertia, right? Like two years ago and last year were really, really high-end drafts with some really, really special players. Um, but now that you don't have that, people have automatically jumped to a completely different conclusion. Um, whereas I think it's sort of somewhere in the middle, especially when you look at sort of the under, undervalued sort of names. Uh, poor Murat is right, Matatron. That is right. Uh, what role could Brett Harrison play in the NHL? I don't know. I've seen him play in the Finland Finnish league a little bit. Um, he's got a good work rate, but he doesn't, I, I think that if you can work on his skating efficiency, then there might be something there, like an all around guy, real meat and potatoes, hockey player. He's got a good shot on him. Some decent skill as well. Good skill, I would say. Um, but nothing like that blows you away. Uh, so maybe like a complimentary sort of third line guy that can sort of play everywhere and and that's not so bad um but i i need to track him i need to see more of him but from what i've seen of him in finland um nothing spectacular but there's a lot of good things going on there especially if you can work on him sort of settling down in his skating stride and and you know making things a little bit more efficient to go
0: along with the work rate he shows uh poor topi Nimala. also true chris also true
1: Um, how do you grade drafting in relation, in relation to perceived value and how teams manage that? If a player perceived as a seventh round talent by most, but you value them as a first, when do you take them? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, if you, if you want to see a real time example, you can go watch the live streams from the draft and watch me panic in real time, uh, trying to pick who I like and who I want to pick at which spot, which spots. Um, so it's sort of, it's like, where do I think the player will slip to? And where would I pull the trick? Where is the point where I can't say no? And last year, there were quite a few players where at the point where I picked them and put them on my list, you could I couldn't say no. Um, so let me just filter for all the guys I did in 2020. Uh, contains 2020. No, oh, 2020. That's the number. So, yeah, let's... That doesn't help me. Okay. Um like at fifteenth with Rodion Amirov, I couldn't say no. He was the best player left on my board. Couldn't say no. Um. Where was the next one? Um Daniel Guschin? Yeah, so Gustin at 39, again, couldn't say no. I loved Danny Guschin. He was in my first round. Uh Toronto took uh Ronnie Hervin in there. Also a perfectly reasonable pick. He was very close to the top of the of my list at that point. Um, but Gushin was the guy where I'm going. Yeah, I want, I want Danny Gushin. I think there's a pretty low risk chance that he becomes a premier offensive player. Uh, Jean-Luc Foudy at 64. I was, I was part of the Jean-Luc Foudy hype train. I still think there's a lot of value to like there. Um, at that point I couldn't say no. And he went very shortly after this. So I'm glad I snagged him because I like what he's got. Um, after that, it was Antonia Honneson. I thought that was a perfectly reasonable slot to take him and he went pretty soon after. Um, who else is on this list? Poshin. I mean, I could have waited on Pashin. Poshin's a really interesting one specific to the question you asked. I had him in my first round, but I passed on him a few times because I thought he'll slip. But at 122 was a round where I sort of went, I feel like he's going to go around here. And I was wrong. Um, at that point I was, and, and I was wrong, but like, ob, like that's going to happen. Um, but usually it's the point where it's like all right you know this player can't fall much further than this someone else must know you know and you kind of get lucky that way like that's kind of what you're thinking like and you have to you have to accept that there's a lot of players that you're not going to that you're not going to be all over you have to kind of accept that there's going to be play or sorry you have to accept that there's going to be players that you're just not going to get you know, like at 15th overall, there was a gap between 15 and 59. Like, am I going to pass on Rodion Amirov and take Daniel Gustin? Probably not. Like that, that probably is not going to happen. Um, and, and I got lucky and, and was able to land Gustin later on, but yeah, still you get what I'm, you get what I'm getting at. It's kind of a game. I mean, you, you have to have a list of guys that you want, that you're targeting. And if you have that target list, And you, you know, to me, if you, you, you basically let everyone else do the work for you and bump names down in the draft board. And then when it comes to your pick, there should be names where you're like, these are all really good players, but understand the biases. Like Poshin is small, plays in not Moscow and St. Petersburg, uh, largely was in the junior leagues last year and does have some flaws. So I thought, teams are going to pass on him even though he's a good player like i don't i just i'll let him go and that was a good gamble whereas with daniel Guschin, ushl good producer um tons of fun to watch like someone was going to pounce on that at some point and you know again i picked him a little bit higher i could have gotten him at 64 and maybe done a Nimala at 59 other way around doesn't matter but it's all a game i guess is what i'm saying and and you got to figure out who's gonna who who you think is going to go between your next two slots and decide whether or not that's a player you'd be willing to lose. But I always find that more often than not until about in this year's in 2020, at least until I'd say I felt like I was sort of losing it a little bit around the seven in the seventh round. Like I was pretty confident about Ethan Cardwell at 177, taking the goalie Nikolayev at 180, 180, um, and Tutniev at 168. Those guys were, I was still pretty confident. Suchkov at 189, still pretty confident um but beyond that like burns and lukachov that's when i was kind of going i don't know we'll see i don't i don't know one of those names should have been cameron berg and i'll say that forever um last week i heard you had a piece on mario ferraro it is on mckean's it's not out on mckean's yet but it's on the way so if you're a mckean subscriber it's there if you're a patron subscriber it's on the site um, but it will be available only through a paywall unless McKean's puts it out, puts it out for free. Um, Ace Beaupre, welcome to the first live stream of your life. Hey, Will, your take on Galchenyuk and if he can help the Leafs, uh, he better. Um, this is his last kick at the can, I think. Um, Toronto is one of the more liberal organizations in the league. And if he can't figure something out, I think he's destined to go somewhere else. Um he couldn't make it work with the senators. Uh, and they have about as many open jobs as whatever joke you want to make. Um, yeah, tough. What happened to Zion Newbeck? I liked him. I, I loved him. Uh, like a lot did. He fell a lot and hasn't produced in the SHL. Well, he's small and he plays small. That's the big thing. Um, not a ton of skating pace to him. Not a ton of, you know, he's really, really skilled. I think he's been pretty good when I've seen him in the SHL. Really crafty, but he needs to be like elite crafty to make it work consistently. I think he's a long term project anyway. Like at least two more years in Sweden before you even think about bringing him over. But yeah, he, he was a player where I was not surprised he slipped. Carolina took him where you couldn't really let him fall anymore. But I'm not, su- I'm not surprised there's a bit of an adjustment to the SHL that is a bit troubling. Uh, it's so perplexing finding player values when even in the NHL level coaches will sit all stars and play near replacement level players in prominent roles. That's true, but that's something you got to live with. Like coaches are responsible for putting the teams on the ice that they believe are going to win. And the general manager's job is to get the names on the team that they believe can win. If there's dysfunction and disorganization there, then you got a problem. But if you have a good group of guys and your coaches on the same page but has a different gut feeling about a certain combination of players and how they play together, then they're the coach. Like they are going to do that. And sometimes like just because a player is an all-star doesn't mean it's impossible to bench them. And just because a player is near replacement level does not mean they have no value. It, it coaches are weird for sure. Uh, Obviously you'd like the optimal lineup, But what optimal means to someone is very different from what it might mean to you. And, you know, like, obviously, like what benching Patrick Marlowe, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't sound right to me. And it might not be the logical decision. It might be the logical decision to say, remove him from the lineup, but it's not something you you didn't bring him in to bench him. You're not paying him $6 million to bench him. And he, you know, he's a hall of famer. I'm not saying it's logical, but you know and and if and if coaches have reason to feel like they should bench a player then then that's their prerogative. I don't know uh it's perplexing to you, but i mean i don't I don't mean to just appeal to authority, but there there's also potentially lots of things that we're not aware of that might lead to these things happening um but i mean I would have a personally if I was a coach, I'd have a really hard time telling Patrick Marlowe that he's not playing in the n h l uh, especially considering he was riding that iron man streak for however long it was um as a preds fan there's very few prospects to look forward to in our system we've covered ask and thomasino what are your thoughts on david Ferret? god i love david Ference. i voted for him for the hobie baker and uh he only played six games but they were spectacular if he signs in nashville great um, but if he's a ufa i'm calling his agent at 1201 a.m and going buddy what do you want? Like what do you, do you want an NHL job? I think he could play in the NHL. He's a phenomenal skater, phenomenally skilled, tremendous offensive talents. I think he's a potentially great defenseman. I really, really love David Ference. And again, I went back and watched some draft eligible tape of him just to jog my, my own brain to say, Hey, what is this guy actually, what was this guy doing in draft eligible times? And if I had been doing this as much as I had, he would have caught my eye. He was an unbelievable player on that development program. Just wasn't producing as much as say Quinn Hughes, but a lot of the other data looked just as good as Quinn Hughes. Um, just some other stuff needed to come a ways, but he looked excellent and I would have been all over that. He was 63rd on my board or 62nd that year, but I was a, I was a plebeian then, uh, I was lost, but now I'm found. I really think that that, that that guy's got a good career ahead of him. Uh have you seen or looked at Brian Zanetti? I like him. Yeah, I've seen him in Switzerland a little bit. Um I don't know why he's not producing more, but he's got some decent skill, solid skater, good evasive abilities, uh but you know, for a guy that's not blowing the blowing the the lid off of the under 20 level in Swi- Switzerland. Um I I had him on my watch list for a majority of the year and he might end up there again, but I'm not he's not quite on that level right now to me is this in this draft what's better a high first or trade back to mid first i would personally trade back and try to take more swings in the second but it depends on who's available uh do you think owen power can be a zach warensky i uh, no. The i can't stop thinking about the tyler myers thing mr bouchard um i just can't help it if the coordination and the skill and the defensive abilities can sort of come a ways, I still don't see a Zach Wierenski. Wierenski knows how to step up from the blue line and get shots from medium danger more than most defensemen, and I don't really see that from power as much. He can and does it often-ish, but he's more of a puck distributor. Like, uh, yeah, someone said Seth Jones. Maybe I could see it more as a Seth Jones, uh, kind of guy, but you know, people keep talking about Tyler Myers, like will Owen Power be a 45, 50 point defenseman in the NHL who has defensive issues? I personally think that that's possible. Um, but you know, and Tyler Myers is fine. The problem with Tyler Myers is that he's paid a ton of money to be Tyler Myers. Um, and Owen Power is, you know, he'll be an NHL defenseman and a pretty good one, I think, but he is not a player that doesn't have it. He's a, he's a player who has issues. Um, that can expose themselves when you would really like them not to uh so we'll see um if those but that's the that's the part of the uncertainty right like will he figure that out i don't know probably probably maybe i think but there's no way to know um but there's some stuff that he's been doing that i'm sitting there going like i'm not seeing very many other guys doing this um and it's kind of troubling um but but he does have assets that certainly make him a valuable player uh do 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 not sure if you talked about this but in your opinion who should ottawa target with the top five pick i'd say matthew benears uh land a center the senators need centers and benears is a really good one i think he fits in with what dj smith and the senators seem to want he's got a bit of snarl to him he works hard he's a tremendous transition player like the idea of benears setting up tim stutzla you do the math uh that could be really something um, so that would be the target for me. And if not him, Wallstead maybe, and just pray to God that that's Ottawa's goalie for the next 15 years. Um, but yeah, Beniers would be the guy i push for. Where would you put Robertson this year? Nick Robertson? I mean, he was drafted two years ago. Um, like where would I put Connor McDavid this year? Maybe, uh, robertson would probably be in the 10 to 15 range um probably like 13 14 ish probably um if you went back in time to your 2018 self what would you say to him uh shut up um shut up and watch more hockey (laughs) that's basically what i would say to myself uh stop thinking you're smart uh and work more um i mean i think i had a pretty good read on some guys like Arseny gritsyuk was a good one for me to pick up on zach jones was another good one to pick up on um but yeah still learning and i still am today um but uh yeah i would definitely go back in time and tell myself to watch more hockey shut up and a big thing that i've learned is when people say things that seem completely outlandish and ridiculous to you look it up for yourself and make your own judgment instead of jumping on twitter and yelling not saying that anyone in here specifically does that but it's really helpful to like when someone comes up with a take that calls themselves a scout or whatever comes up with a take that seems completely nutty to you try to find out your own reasoning to why that might be true and if it's not try to think about how you would articulate it differently um that seems to be a much more beneficial exercise that i have done um and it's perfectly cool to disagree with someone who has a take like that uh but you just have to understand why for yourself and i don't think i did that very well so i would go back in time and tell myself to stop with the i mean even through the 2019 draft like i watched my 2019 draft stream and cringe uh i i was really steaming hot and it really, I didn't have the informational back, background that I had for 2020, certainly not for 2021. Um, and the more you learn, I mean, the Dunning-Kruger effect affects everybody, including myself. Um, but I i like to think that I'm sort of on the up and up. Uh, and a little bit, I've been humbled quite a lot and, you know, felt like a bit of an idiot, but that'll happen. Um, so yeah, I'd go back to 2018 and say, uh, shut up, watch more hockey, work on the data more, stop being lazy. Uh, if this is what you really want to do, uh, because that's kind of what you need to do. Um, Seth Jarvis just turned 19, seven points in his first five games. Yeah. He looked great. Uh, yeah, he's been looking great. I watched a bit of Chicago this year. Him and Philip Tomasino have been fantastic. Uh, really, really good in, in the AHL this year. Um, CHL already doesn't make money. They need these players. I mean, the CHL actually some teams do make money, but to me, I think the CHL needs to I think I think hockey in Canada period needs a complete restructuring. It's craziness how we do it here. Um, but some of those franchises make money. I think more of them make money than you think. Um, but also, yeah, if if an NHL team wants to poach a player off their roster, because they should be in the AHL for their own career's sake then yeah make it so that you can pay them to do it there should be a fee to do so of course uh but NHL teams should be able to afford that and CHL teams should be welcoming to it if that's what they need but if I'm being perfectly honest I think we need to restructure ex- like entirely how we deal with children in hockey and how they play hockey and how they're raised in hockey because it's really weird and really expensive and
0: really private and it, and I think Canada's sort of fallen behind. Can we compare Isaac Beliveau to Nicholas Baudin? I wouldn't. I don't like Isaac Beliveau at all. I don't have him ranked.
1: How does Shvozil and Lambos compare to Edvinson? Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, Edvinson is a major project, and he's a big, big risk. I think La- Lambos is the safest bet of them all in terms of being a defense-first guy who you don't worry about a ton um but i certainly don't see a top pick there schvozel he skates well but he's a hard one to get a read on i mean like the data i've tracked on him is mediocre but he's playing at a really high level um he's actually a pretty good defensive player in terms of shutting down breakouts and everything but his passing game is a bit of a mess like he 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 panics a lot um he doesn't really settle the play very well you know when he's, you know, you're, he's going to need to be a puck mover, and he doesn't move pucks particularly effectively. Like sixty percent of offensive transitions, he's turning pucks over. um That's going to need to improve. Like exiting the defensive zone at fifty-six percent, that's not really good enough. Um, most defensemen are well higher than that, even if their offensive zone entry percentage is low. So, yeah, that's a tough. It's a tough. He's a tough one to read, but I mean, again, he's playing in the top level of of Czech hockey bergevin said he expects caulfield and harris to turn pro at the end of the season do you see caulfield in the nhl right away i think he could play in the nhl right away harris i would send a lay laval but but caulfield has been awesome with wisconsin i think he jumps right into the into the habs lineup and gives them even more scoring uh that they kind of need your thoughts on impressions of nils lundqvist i like him I, I think the production outperformed what he was capable of but that'll happen um really really smart two-way guy with some good offensive tools good skill good shot just good all-around player and and drives good results and and is and is rewarded with it with production um speaking of laval you said you speaking of laval you saw you liked the yeah, yeah i did like the Raphael harvey pinard first goal on instagram do you believe he has an upside for the nhl i mean if anything he's an energy player um i love watching Raphael harvey pinard play hockey i always have he was a uh, I, there was a video i did way back when i started the channel going through each team uh or undrafted players from 2018 that would have been worth a look in 2019 and eight, rhp was on there um hard worker drove good results in multiple areas really good skill tons of fun to watch you just respect the work that he put out there on the ice and i hoped that he was rewarded for it and the habs took him so I think that if there's like an energy line guy who you just go out and crash and bang and can chip in offensively here and there, you know, I, I think that you got something there. He was one of the last picks in the draft. I, I thought that that was a great pickup for the Habs. Um, we'll see what happens. He's already a bit further along in his age, but, but you know, not that he's like 40 years old, but, you know, if he can make it work, I think that I, I, I'm not counting it out. I think there's a, I think he's a, I, I'll, I really enjoy watching him play how would you compare the ushl to the whl and the q what are the major differences between the leagues i mean i think the ushl is underrated uh i really believe that i mean i I don't think it's that far behind the whl and ohl but i think it's about on par with the qmjhl the good teams in the ushl are really good the bad teams aren't that bad but but teams like chicago uh are are real high-end sort of team unit play teams that really get benefited with offense um the WHL and OHL are, are good leagues, but yeah, I think the USHL is undervalued for sure. Uh, I don't know about specific differences. Um, you know, I, I find that the WHL is a pretty physical league, pretty defensive league, pretty low pace relative to the rest of those leagues. The OHL is pretty quick and end to end, and there is still some physicality. Um, I think it's the best one of the ones you mentioned, but the USHL seems to be a weird hybrid of the WHL and OHL, uh they call a lot of penalties in the ushl um and the q i think is just a step behind them all i just think the pace of play is really low the defensive intensity is really low um you can get away with a lot there and uh yeah i i I find myself watching and enjoying the q less and less where would you put benears or hughes in last year's draft um probably in that six seven slot behind guys like Stutzler, raymond rossi Beneers might be in the three four five group hughes probably six seven ish like in that drysdale range i might put drysdale ahead of Quinn or uh, ahead of luke hughes which i think i said earlier in the in the stream when you're reading this the stream will be over and we will all be sad that's not true jordan i'm still here i'm still kicking but i am getting very tired as a Wild fan, we need to 1C in the worst way. We we don't know if we got lucky and got Baneers, we would have our guy and our team would be a contender. Well, you also drafted Marco Rossi, and you drafted Murat Kuznudinov, so there are some good defensemen, or centers. But Baneers would be a good add. Um, I mean, if the Minnesota Wild finished at the bottom end of the standings this year, I would be very curious to see who they ended up with. I mean, I trust Judd Brackett with every inch of my life. Um, so, you know, if it's Matt Beneer great, but you know, I, I think that Luke Hughes in a, in a Minnesota wild Jersey would be really nice. You got Ryan Suter in the area. You got Jared Spurgeon there as well. Um, you know, I, I think that there's some interesting pieces there that you could learn from if you're Luke Hughes, uh, and it would be a lot of fun. Um, you know, Fabian Liesel, William Eklund, all really, really good players that I think would fit in there just fine especially considering they have two good centers on the way. Uh, but Beneers would be another really good one to add. I'm watching Colorado, Ontario and Jean-Luc Foody looks pretty damn good. Yeah. Cause he's good. Uh, is number seven for the university of Michigan in prospect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Nick Blankenberg. He's fun. Um, he's, uh, yeah, he's a fun player. Uh, I don't know if I would draft him because I think you can draft NCAA players no matter what, but as a free agent AHL deal, I would absolutely pick up the phone and call him. I think he's, I think he's really, really good. Um, highest ceiling in the whole draft. Hot take, Scott Morrow. Hot take. Highest ceiling, very unlikely to get there, but I think he's got the highest ceiling. Um, thoughts on Prokhor Poltopov? I think he'll be a player, but nothing more than a bottom six energy guy. He's got some decent skill, can move okay, good under pressure at the MHL level, but um you know gets to the net crashes and bangs i think guys will love that coaches will love that but i don't think it's high end enough to put him sort of as a top six power forward but maybe he could get there one day but i think as more of a bottom six energy guy he's gonna be more of that kind of a guy uh thoughts on xavier borgo um i i like him he comes and goes his offensive transition game is really good most of the time um but i wish there was an extra 10 percent there you know uh, really good skill, good dual threat offense. Uh, but the defensive game is kind of hit or miss, but when he puts his mind to it, he, he, it works out well. Um, I think there's a big ceiling with Borgo, but there's a big, there's a really low floor, um, mid to late first round picture. Uh, but yeah, I, I like him for sure, but there are question marks uh daniel chayka i think he's a safe pick i think chayka ends up a defenseman and you know that you don't have to worry about one of the guys that you just draft and play and you you don't have to worry about him defensively he's he's not super great but he's playing at the khl level and not super great so i'll forgive it um but yeah shoots the puck a lot but he's been doing it less and less um really good reach and knows how to use it uh pretty good and coordinated uh but yeah maybe, maybe a safer pick in the first round if you've got a ton of high octane talent on your roster. Um, but yeah, he's kind of been knocked down my board a little bit over the year. Cause he's just kind of like, I mean this with respect, like he's kind of boring, but in an effective kind of way, which is fine. You need guys like that, but yeah, not the, not the most fun player to watch, but if you pay attention, he can be all right. Uh, your top five drafted prospects. Honestly, I don't have the time to, to to fire five names off the top of my head. My brain just won't even think about that right now. Um, so, uh, yeah, all of your favorite prospects are that five. Um, I don't know if you asked this already, but how would you evaluate Lafreniere? I kind of answered that already. He's doing fine, in short. Don't worry. Uh, would love to see a tournament featuring CHL and USHL teams. That would be fun. I would, I would watch that. You think Eichel requests a trade by the end of the year? Uh, ooh sabers better hope not but uh i think we're perilously close to that point um him and mcdavid i mean we'll see where the oilers end up at the end of the year um but the buffalo sabers man talk about a we're a team uh was tristan robbins a little overhyped by the second half of his season i think a little bit but he's a good pickup where the sharks got him i think he's a good player tons of fun to watch offensive leaning but he's good high octane high pace skill all the tools necessary to be an offensive player, but I felt that there was always a little bit too much on that train and If Joel Henderson is in here, I'm sorry. I mean that with love uh yeah, not not on that, not on not much of a hype train with him, but I thought that he was a really good pickup for a team that drafted a lot of fun players last year. Why did Cardwell go undrafted? Your guess is as good as mine, probably because he's small and plays center usually. um what does Rutger McGroty need to do to become a number one pick? a lot uh he's a good player but there are some 2022 eligibles that have been really good i've seen mcgrody with the uh, ntdp this year a bit i just don't see the same level of player there that guys like shane wright uh ivan mirosh nashenko even elias solomonson i i I mean easy first round pick with mcgrody but there's a long i think there's a long way to go to get to number one have you ever been contacted to work for an nhl team uh (laughs) If I was, I probably wouldn't be making YouTube videos. Um, I, I am also very skittish around talking about that kind of thing. Um, I'll answer it this way. If they did call, I would not be able to say no. Uh, and my goal is not to run a YouTube channel forever. Um, it would be really, really interesting to put my money where my mouth is. Uh, the thing I kept telling myself when I started this up was I want to win a Stanley cup somehow. And, uh, it would be really really nice to actually pull that off one day but you know the goal is to take this offline and sit myself in an office for nine months watching tape building databases and making nhl teams better that's really it um any chance borgstrom or Hep- heponiemi yemi live up to their potential after springfield slightly killed them hopefully i like heponiemi he's looked okay but yeah maybe what does Galchenyuk need to do to be successful in Toronto? Play hockey good. He's on the end of his rope, I think. I don't know. I I have low hopes. I think he's just a guy for Toronto. That's why they traded him after he cleared waivers cuz they can send him up and down now, I think, and move him in and out. He's a guy. He's a warm body. That's really all all he is to Toronto, and if he's anything more, he's going to need to prove it. That's really what the situation is, I think. Thoughts on Brock Faber. Skate's good. Good player transitionally with the puck offensively. That's about it for me with that. Um Nazar greater than McGrordy. I would believe it. I also like Devin Kaplan as well. He's a really good player. Um, and uh there's another one I'm thinking of, but I can't remember. Uh what did you think about Emil Vuro? It seems like he's gonna be a boring third pairing guy who doesn't make mistakes. He's actually come a ways. I mean, his skating was what you're betting on uh and you can do a lot worse than betting on defensemen who can skate he's looked good this year from what i've seen and at the world juniors as well um do you think yost has peaked as a depth center i hope not um colorado sure rushed him to the nhl real quick but uh do you think he's peaked as a depth center i mean he's what 22 now so probably not peaked but yeah uh and the last thing michkov greater than bedard we'll see it's 2021, barely. Let's put a cap in the 2023 greater than or less than. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Opening a can of worms with the last question here of the night, Ray Bro. Thoughts on the Toronto media treatment of Nylander or is an un- unjust. Stop reacting to the Nylander slander. That is red meat for two kinds of people the Bowmanville dum dums who think anyone not Canadian shouldn't be a Toronto Maple Leaf, and reactionaries who go on Twitter and retweet links to the Toronto Sun to yell about how bad the Toronto Sun is. Like there are journalistic outlets that thrive off of antagonizing people because it makes people mad and that's what drives clicks. It's it's objectively poor analysis on purpose. So the best thing to do is watch the Leafs play hockey and watch William Nylander be very good. He's not perfect, but he's very good, but relax. Like Steve Simmons has had a shtick ever since I was little. It pays his bills because the people who love it legitimately, there are a lot of them. They're wrong, but there's a lot of them. And on the other hand, there are people who complain about it. And those two groups of people combined, like Steve Simmons was trending on Twitter today. And now i'm talking about him the the job is done he's getting paid very good money probably because of this you know like that's how this works it's a it's a grift it's a racket but grifting is nothing new we live in a society full of it so you know if you want it to go away you ignore it and let your crazy uncle or grandparent or whatever yell and scream about trading william nylander for sam bennett If that's what they want to do just be glad they're not the general manager of the team
0: um but yeah i i i I saw that front page today and just put her down and walked away (laughs) uh all right i uh i'm gonna have to call it a night um
1: i uh I, i i am very very out of it now uh i'm sure there's lots of names that i said i'm gonna check out Uh, but, uh, I can't promise that I will, unfortunately. Um, I'm just like that sometimes, but, uh, I will go through and and see some of the names that popped up, um, and, and, have a look, but thank you very much for joining me. As always, this was lovely. Uh, next week, join me again, Wednesday night, same time, same place, same everything. Uh, should be, the Hoaglander video will be for, will be available for patrons tomorrow. Uh, I'll be shooting a Stutzla video this weekend. Uh, hopefully that'll be done this weekend. I can't promise that, but it should be done at least close to done on Monday. Um, and from there, uh, if you haven't read the rankings, read them and, uh, I'm off to, I mean, tidy up my desk. It's a disgusting mess right now. Um, but that's about it. So thank you very much for joining me. We'll see you next week. Uh, party on uh, wear a mask, be safe, all those things. Um, also if you know anyone who lives in Texas or anything, like my thoughts go out to you. Uh, I, I, I don't have any, but like that situation is horrible. So if you or anyone you know, or love or whatever, or despise lives in Texas, um, my thoughts. So see you next week.